BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. From the Jill Schwartz Memorial Library here in the wilds of Connecticut, this is Obscure Season 2, Frankenstein. I am your host, your friend, your ear lover, your literary mansplainer-in-chief and soon-to-be Georgianologist, Michael Ian Black. Big doings here in the wilds of Connecticut. My daughter has graduated from high school. High school graduation is now over for both of my children now high school graduates, one in college, one about to go to college. At the end of this previous week, we had a graduation party for her, which necessitated the purchasing of food. My dear wife, Martha, said I should get enough food for 40 people. We were going to order barbecue from a local place. We did that. Shout out to the Wire Mill, which is tremendous barbecue if you're ever in the wilds of Connecticut. And uh, she said, we need enough for 40 people. I said, I don't think there's 40 people coming. She said, we need to get enough for 40 people. And she ran the numbers with me, and it did not seem like there were going to be 40 people at my house. It seemed like maybe there would be 25 or maybe 30 people. I said, I don't think we need enough for 40 people. She said, that's how much we need. So unbeknownst to her, I ordered, ordered enough for 35 people. You know, five, only five less people, but you know. I don't know how much they charge per person, $20 a person or something like that, $22.50, something like that. Save 100 bucks or something. Thinking to myself, the 30, we don't need enough for 35 people. There's just no way. And imagining how much barbecue there was going to be for 35 people. Well, I went to pick it up with my dear son, Elijah. We went and we picked up the barbecue and it was so much barbecue. It was just pan after pan of barbecue, ribs and pulled pork, and chicken, and collard greens, and mac and cheese, and cornbread, and coleslaw, and salad, and wings. It was so much. And I said, there's no way we're going to get through this much barbecue. Well, friends, let me tell you something. We did not get through that much barbecue. Not even close. We ended the evening by giving a lot of barbecue to our friend, and then leaving a lot for ourselves. And we had an entire pan, you know, one of those huge catering pans, aluminum foil pans, aluminum pans, filled with smoked meats. 
And so for the last three days, I've been eating exclusively barbecue, trying to get rid of the smoked meats in my house. And today is Father's Day. For lunch, I had barbecue. And my wife said, what would you like for dinner? And I said, please, something light. And so we are having gazpacho. And there was gazpacho chilling in the fridge awaiting us for Father's Day. It has been a lovely Father's Day to this point, which is to say we did utterly nothing to celebrate. Uh, there was no, no gifts, which was a good thing because for the first time I said, please don't get me anything, and they didn't. I meant it, and it was a relief to not receive anything. Not that I don't enjoy gifts, of course I do, but the truth is I don't need or particularly want anything, and not getting anything was kind of a gift. So I felt great about that. Um, and so, yeah, my wife's brother and sister are in town. They came for the graduation. The brother, the brother person is sleeping in the Jill Schwartz Memorial Library. I mean, not at the moment, but that's where he's staying. So I am currently in his bedroom and the library simultaneously. It is Schrodinger's bedroom. Well, the book Frankenstein so far, he is presumably about to graduate himself. Uh, he's in the Orkneys which I like. I like that he's at the Orkneys there in Scotland, building a she-buddy in seclusion. He seems to be getting on with the experience. The process seems to be about complete, which is good because we're nearing the end of the book. And he has dark forebodings, of course. Of uh, The last thing he said is, uh, I look towards its completion with a tremulous and eager hope, which I dared not trust myself to question, but which was intermixed with obscure forebodings of evil that made my heart sicken in my bosom. That's where we left it. It was an ominous ending to the chapter, and we've been in a little bit of a dry spell in terms of action with, with Victor Frankenstein and all his doings, a lot of scenery taking, a lot of, you know, it's been a travelogue for a little bit, and now... Hopefully, we're winding up for the big finish, okay? So let's get into it. Uh, volume 3, Chapter 3 of Frankenstein. I sat one evening in my laboratory, although uh, right now, you know, sometimes the British have much better ways of saying things. And so I will choose two British pronunciations for words that I have already used. One, laboratory, much better. And two, even better than that, aluminium. Oh, I love when they say aluminium. So I have an aluminium tray filled with smoked meats. The sun had set, and the moon was just rising from the sea. I had not sufficient light for my employment, and I remained idle, in a pause of consideration of whether I should leave my labor for the night or hasten its conclusion by an unremitting attention to it. As I sat, a train of reflection occurred to me, 
which led me to consider the effects of what I was now doing. Three years before, I was engaged in the same manner and had created a fiend whose unparalleled barbarity had desolated my heart and filled it forever with the bitterest remorse. I was now about to form another being, of whose dispositions I was alike ignorant. She might become ten thousand times more malignant than her mate, and delight for its own sake in murder and wretchedness. I mean, he's just not being fair. I need to sip some water, you know, because my essentially my entire bloodstream is now barbecue sauce and sodium, so I've been... Uh, a little thirstier than normal. He's being unfair. I've said it before. And any, I think, objective observer of this book would recognize that Victor Frankenstein is being unfair to his own creation. There's an Old Testament God-like figure about him as he considers the machinations of his work. And he seems like maybe he wants to smite it. I mean, we know he wants to smite it. But unlike in the Old Testament, the creature has powers equal to or greater than the master, the creator, which, you know, is fun. That's fun. Um, but he hates his own creation. But he, you know, he's not being fair because, because Big Buddy spelled out the whole story. Big Buddy told him all there was to tell about his own good heart and how it had been mottled and ruined by uh, man, mankind. And yes, Big Buddy killed his brother. Okay, like that's strike one. Like we get that. Okay, strike one, Big Buddy. You killed my brother and destroyed my family. But, you know, let he was without sin. You know what I mean? Let he who was without sin. He, he had sworn to quit the neighborhood of man and hide himself in deserts. Well, in rainforests, really. But she had not, and she, who in all probability was to become a thinking and reasoning animal, might refuse to comply with a compact made before her creation. They might even hate each other. The creature who already lived loathed his own deformity, and might he not conceive a greater abhorrence for it when it came before his eyes in the female form? She also might turn with disgust from him to the superior beauty of man. She might quit him, and he be again alone, exasperated by the fresh provocation of being deserted by one of his own species. All good questions, okay? Look, Mary, good questions. Good questions, Mary. Uh, But, you know, that's a conversation they could have had in the Alps. He's just now considering it. But okay, fair. These are, these are good questions to ask. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, I think we all know it's not going to go well because these things never go well. Every time you, you create a buddy out of parts, it just doesn't go well. At least, you know, with our limited sample size, which, which is one. Even if they were to leave Europe and inhabit the deserts of the new world. Yet one of the, and I don't know why he keeps, she keeps saying deserts, it's a rainforest. Yet one of the first results of those sympathies for which the daemon thirsted would be children, and a race of devils would be propagated upon the earth, 
who might make the very existence of the species of, of man a condition precarious and full of terror. Well, my dude, you're the one creating the she-buddy. Maybe you just forget to put in some ovaries. You ever think of that? That's kind of up to you, dude. Maybe you just, you know, maybe you just snip the connections there, you know? Oh, sorry, I forgot to attach the ovaries. And that would solve your problem. That's not a big problem. Had I a right, for my own benefit, to inflict this curse upon everlasting generations, I had before been moved by the sophisms of the being I had created. I had been struck senseless by his fiendish threats. But now, for the first time, the wickedness of my promise burst upon me. I shuddered to think that future ages might curse me as their pest, whose selfishness had not hesitated to buy its own peace at the price, perhaps, of the existence of the whole human race. Come on, don't be stupid. First of all, even if they could make each other, you know, they could make, they could make more little buddies, uh, then what's the next generation supposed to do? You know, little incestuous buddies running around? Like, I get it. Like, I get the creation story thing, you know, the, 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 the Adam and Eve thing. It's, it's Big Buddy and She Buddy, not Adam and Steve. And, but even in the Bible, I feel like Cain went out, found himself a mate, because there were other people there somehow. But Big Buddy and She Buddy aren't going to, and their kids aren't going to go out and find more buddies. There are no more buddies. These are going to be the only buddies, even if they could reproduce. I trembled. And my heart failed within me when, on looking up, I saw by the light of the moon the daemon at the casement. Well, it's about time. A ghastly grin wrinkled his lips as he gazed on me, where I sat fulfilling the task which he had allotted to me. Yes, he had followed me in my travels, he had loitered in forests, hid himself in caves, or taken refuge in wide and desert heaths, and he now came to mark my progress and claim the fulfillment of my promise. As I looked on him, his countenance expressed the utmost extent of malice and treachery. I thought with a sensation of madness on my promise of creating another like to him, and trembling with passion, tore to pieces the thing on which I was engaged. The wretch saw me destroy the creature on whose future existence he depended for happiness, and with a howl of devilish despair and revenge, withdrew. Wow. So he made the she-buddy, and then the daemon showed up, gave him a look, and he's like, fuck this, and tore her limb from limb. And then the big buddy howled at the moon and withdrew. I mean, this does not portend well for Victor Frankenstein. Things are going to get ugly, I think, you know? There's just a, I don't know, there's just a fissure. A logical fissure, I mean, there's many logical fissures in this book, but this is one of them. Just, something just doesn't add up logically to me. Because I believe Big Buddy, I'm on Big Buddy's side this whole time. And it seems like Victor Frankenstein, brilliant as he is, would 
understand that the big buddy, however powerful he may be, however stealthy he may be, however, uh, not treacherous, because uh, that's what he used, but however, um, 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 uh, for lack of a better word, mad he might be at humanity, he can't go up against humanity. You know, there's only so much a big buddy can do on his own. And it seems like Victor Frankenstein would know that and would and would know that this thinking and reasoning animal would be better served for his own self-interest if he indeed did go to South America in the deserts there and just fucked off with his she-buddy, you know? And he knows that She's not going to fall for the beauty of man. She's not going to have the same experiences that Big Buddy had because like Big Buddy, she's going to come into the world basically dumb and ignorant of the entire world. And unlike Big Buddy, she's going to have a tutor. She's going to have somebody to kind of show her the ropes and to give her love. If Big Buddy had just had love this whole time, baby, you know, from his own father here on Father's Day, uh, none of this would have happened. He's such a dick. Victor Frankenstein is a dick. All right, let's take a break, all right? Reflect on Victor Frankenstein's dickishness and my own um, bloated salt face. We'll be back in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's home equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Back on obscure, contemplating sodium levels, dickishness, and logical fissures. Frankenstein has just seen the daemon. The daemon has seen Frankenstein. Frankenstein tore his work apart. Big Buddy got upset, as you would, and left. Back to the book. I left the room, and on locking the door, made a solemn vow in my own heart never to resume my labors. And then, with trembling steps, I sought my own apartment. I was alone. None were near me to dissipate the gloom and relieve me from the sickening oppression of the most terrible reveries. Several hours passed, and I remained near my window gazing on the sea. It was almost motionless, for the winds were hushed, and all nature reposed under the, under the eye of the quiet moon. A few fishing vessels alone specked the water, and now and then the gentle breeze wafted the sound of voices as the fishermen called to one another. I felt the silence, though I was hardly conscious of its extreme profundity 
until my ear was suddenly arrested by the paddling of oars near the shore, and a person landed close to my house. Well, who do we think that person may be? The big buddy, I think. The big buddy has come to pay a call to Victor Frankenstein. In a few minutes after, I heard the creaking of my door, as if someone endeavored to open it softly. I trembled from head to foot. I felt a presentiment of who it was, and wished to rouse one of the peasants who dwelt in a cottage not far from mine. But I was overcome by the sensation of helplessness, so often felt in frightful dreams, when you in vain endeavor to fly from an impending danger, and was rooted to the spot. Presently I heard the sound of footsteps along the passage. The door opened, and the wretch whom I dreaded appeared. Shutting the door, he approached me and said in a smothered voice, You have destroyed the work which you began. What is it that you intend? Do you dare to break your promise? I have endured toil and misery. I left Switzerland with you. I crept along the shores of the Rhine, among its willow islands, and over the summits of its hills. I have dwelt many months in the heaths of England and among the deserts of Scotland. I, I mean, I just feel like the, the, word, the use of the word desert between them and us is just entirely different. Do they mean uninhabited? An uninhabited area? Is that what they mean by desert? It's frustrating me, but I want to keep going. I have endured incalculable fatigue and cold and hunger. Do you dare destroy my hopes? Be gone, this is Victor Frankenstein. I do break my promise. Never will I create another like yourself, equal in deformity and wickedness. Slave, I before reasoned with you. I like that he calls him slave. Oh, snap! The creature calling its own creator slave. Damn, girl. You cut to the quick, girl. Slave. I before reasoned with you, but you have proved yourself unworthy of my condescension. Remember that I have power. You believe yourself miserable, but I can make you so wretched that the light of day will be hateful to you. You are my creator, but I am your master. Obey. Okay, so the tables have truly turned here. I mean, there have been some tables and they have been turned. And I love it. Best paragraph in the book so far. I'll reread it. Or at least the end of it. Slave, I before reasoned with you, but you have proved yourself unworthy of my condescension. He's saying, I spoke to you the way a father speaks to a child slave. You, my father, I have spoken to as a child. Remember that I have power. You believe yourself miserable, but I can make you so wretched that the light of day will be hateful to you. You are my creator, but I am your master. Obey. Look, anybody who has kids knows they become your master, right? I mean, they just do. You think it was my idea to have some big high school graduation party for my daughter? No, it was her idea. She wanted a big high school graduation party. She did pick the barbecue. She didn't say you need to get 40 
for, enough for 40 people. But look, I was happy to have the graduation party for her. Are you kidding? I'm happy to celebrate her. But when she says obey, what do we do? We obey. The hour of my irresolution is past and the period of your power is arrived. Your threats cannot me this is Frankenstein, your threats cannot move me to do an act of wickedness, but they confirm me in a determination of not creating you a companion in vice. Shall I, in cool blood, set loose upon the earth a daemon whose delight is in death and wretchedness be gone? I am firm and your words will only exasperate my rage. The monster saw my determination in my face and gnashed his teeth in the impotence of anger. Shall each man, cried he, find a wife for his bosom and each beast have his mate and I be alone? I had feelings of affection and they were requited by detestation and scorn. Man, you may hate, but beware. Your hours will pass in dread and misery, and soon the bolt will fall which must ravish from you your happiness forever. Elizabeth, he's, he's going after poor Elizabeth. Let's just call her, start calling her poor Elizabeth right now, because that's what's going to happen. Poor Justine and poor William, and soon it's going to be poor Elizabeth. And then they're going to chase each other across the North Pole. That's just what's going to happen, and you, be, you all better get used to it. Are you to be happy while I grovel in the intensity of my wretchedness? You can blast my other passions, but revenge remains. Revenge, henceforth dearer than light or food, I may die. But first you, my tyrant and tormentor, shall curse the sun that gazes on your misery. Beware, for I am fearless and therefore powerful. I will watch with the wiliness of a snake that I may sting with its venom. Man, you shall repent of the injuries you inflict. So he calls him slave. He calls him man as a different creature than himself. Man, you may hate, but beware. Your hours will pass in dread and misery. This is a lesson for all mankind, he's saying. Your hatred will only lead to dread and misery. Those sins which you cast upon me, I will return tenfold. That is what he is saying. Because when we live our lives in hate, the hate blossoms and comes swinging back at us. Like Royce Gracie. That's his name, right? Royce, Royce Gracie. You know, that Brazilian martial arts champion who was like the first UFC dude. You know? Man, you shall repent. Repent of the injuries you inflict. Frankenstein says, Devil cease, and do not poison the air with those sounds of malice. I have declared my resolution to you, and I am no coward to bend beneath words. Leave me. I am inexorable. It is well. I go. But remember, I shall be with you on your wedding night. Ooh, I'm shivering. I shall be with you on your wedding night, he says. God damn. And in fact, it's true. You know, even metaphorically speaking, it's true. Even if we were, even if we knew he wasn't going to lay a glove on, a, on poor Elizabeth, which he's going to do, he will be with him on his wedding night and every day thereafter and before. 
I mean, it's juicy shit right now. It's juicy, psychological, scary, spooky shit. I started forward and exclaimed, Villain, before you sign my death warrant, be sure that you are yourself safe. I would have seized him, but he eluded me and quitted the house with precipitation. In a few moments, I saw him in his boat, which shot across the waters with an arrowy swiftness and was soon lost amidst the waves. All was again silent, but his words rang in my ears. I burned with rage to pursue the murderer of my peace and precipitate him into the ocean. I walked up and down my room hastily and perturbed, while my imagination conjured up a thousand images to torment and sting me. Why had I not followed him and closed with him in mortal strife? Because you'd be dead, stupid. But I had suffered him to depart, and he had directed his course towards the mainland. I shuddered to think who might be the next victim sacrificed to his insatiate revenge. And then I thought again of his words, I will be with you on your wedding night. That, then, was the period fixed for the fulfillment of my destiny. In that hour, I should die, and at once satisfy and extinguish his malice. The prospect did not move me to fear. Yet when I thought of my beloved Elizabeth, of her tears and endless sorrow, when she should find her lover so barbarously snatched from her, tears, the first I had shed for many months, streamed from my eyes, and I resolved not to fall before my enemy without a bitter struggle. Why are you being so stupid, Victor Frankenstein? Why are you being this obtuse? If it was you he was planning on killing, he would have killed you right there, stupid. You are no match for him. He is eight feet tall. He is 300 pounds. He is fleet of foot and strong as an ox. If he wanted to rip your head from your shoulders, he would have done it right then and there. He said, "Uh, you can blast my other passions, but revenge remains. I may die, but first you, my tyrant and tormentor, shall curse the son that gazes on your misery. What do you think he's talking about? He's not talking about your life, stupid. He's talking about Elizabeth. When he said, don't, and as readers, we're smarter than this. As readers, we know that we know this. And why don't you know this? This is, you know, this is a problem with the book. You can't get ahead of the reader. Don't get ahead of the reader. All right, well, let's stop. Uh, Let's stop for a moment. You know, let's stop for for the episode, you know. Let's stop with his obtuseness. I mean, he's brilliant. He's a brilliant guy, but, he, but you know, he made a buddy and a she-buddy. He didn't finish the she-buddy, but look, you know, all he had to do was jolt her with a, you know, you know, clamp some of them, uh, them jump starter cables to her teats and she would have jumped right up, you know, but he, he, but he doesn't know what, what the big buddy's talking about. Come on. Come on, Mary, be better than that. Be better than that, Mary. Why don't you? You know, what are you going to do? It's not a great book. Let's just say it. It's not a great book. We've said it before. We'll say it again. There's so many cool things in it. So many. There's a lot of, there's some cool things in it. You know, we had the best paragraph that we've read so far, slave. But, uh, you know, at the same time, then there's dumb shit like this. So, I don't know. God, I feel fat. I feel fat from barbecue. Um... And because my shorts are a little too snug on me right now. I'm wearing snug shorts. You know, that's what happens. 
You stuff your belly full of smoked meats, your shorts get snug. Well, you know, we are galloping towards the conclusion here. There, You know, I was looking ahead. There's just not that many pages left, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know, 50 pages or something. So, you know, we're going to be done not that long from now. And then we're all going to be sad because even though the book isn't that great, we like getting together. We like reading. We like reading together. We like hearing each other's thoughts about this stuff. And look, when I say each other's thoughts, you're listening to my thoughts about it. So we like my narcissism. You probably don't like it. I like my narcissism. Do I like it? Not really. But it is what it is. And we'll be back, you know, next week uh, with another, I don't know, slightly disappointing episode of Obscure. But until then, I wish you adieu. Obscure Season 2, Frankenstein, is produced by Robin Lynn, Mary Shimkin, Jennifer Brennan, and myself, Michael Ian Black, recorded in places as far and wide as California and the wilds of Connecticut and spots in between. Original music by Craig Wedgren. Join us at patreon.com slash Michael Ian Black, where starting at $5 a month, you can support this podcast and get access to all kinds of obscure goodies, including early episodes and writings and musings. There's also bonus podcasts. There is our semi-regular book club. All of it can be yours at patreon.com slash Michael Ian Black. <laughs>